Good morning and welcome to The Age Stage, uh, the program that looks at things to do with seniors and all issues to do with seniors. All the oldies. Yes. It's the like oldies program. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> mate. Yes. It's in a frame They'll wheel us in and out of here, won't they? <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, a, it's a great show because it is a, having the discussion about a fair whack of the number of people that actually live down here on the peninsula. It does concern them. And if it doesn't, it should concern them. It should. That's right. We've got a good show this week. We have got a good show this week. Mm. We've got um, Stuart and Kim from the Baxter Village. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be talking today about change, management change, which can be really upsetting to a lot of people. Imagine if you bought a place and suddenly... People said, I'd like to introduce you to the new owners. Mm. Could be pretty unsettling, couldn't it? Especially for elderly people, I think. Yeah. They, sort of, they yeah. don't like. To, well, Who wants to? We, we as humans don't like change a lot. No, a we lot don't. Of us, a lot of us. And we have a pre record. We do. We've had, we have a pre record that we did earlier in the week with Dr. Elizabeth Lanyon. Really interesting little Very segment. Very interesting. Right? So yeah. I'm sure the listeners will be really interested in what she has yeah. to say. About the media beat up. Yes, and, yes. And the damage that it does, too. That's right. Yeah. But uh, in the in, in the in the meantime, and I, now I can't even find it. Let's just go straight to the introductions, because okay. I can't find my favourite piece okay. of music. So welcome, Kim. Thank you. Lovely and to be back. Hello, Kim. Stuart. Hi, Paula. Hi, Brody. Welcome home. Yes, thank yes. you. Oh, good, good to be back. Yeah. Well, you did creep in like, during last week, last week, which well, is to, for that interview for, for Elizabeth. But yes, you, I but, did. You, but you have been away for a while. I, I know. I've been very remiss in my responsibilities. Well, not really, Stuart. You've been looking no. after your dear wife, who had a knee replacement. Oh, that's week. right. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I knew I, I knew I was missing for a, for a reason. Look, a very important reason. Yeah. You've she got to say... She had a knee did she? She did. And you'd have to say it went fantastically really? well. Fant- fantastically oh, well. Very skilled surgeon, who I probably can't name. You only name dentists in the modern world, can't you? <laughs> yes. Um, but just... Fant- David or something. Yes. Oh. Yes. Yeah, fan- just fantastic <laughs> surgeon. Uh, so after four weeks, Kathy is back driving. Wow. Four weeks? Uh, four weeks. Wow. And just remarkable, remarkable recovery. New, new kneecap on her. Usually original kneecap, but right. put the the titanium. So the made to measure titanium uh, replacement joint. Thank you. That's that's a phrase so I'm looking for. So it wasn't a complete knee replacement. It was, but it the was. but the kneecap could still be used. Oh, spare parts. <laughs> yes. And I, and I personally, I wonder what makes the difference between a kneecap you can use as opposed to a kneecap you can't use. Well, I guess if it's got but it. Your tendons and ligaments are yes. attached to your kneecap. It is a much quicker healing process, the more of your own tissue that you can retain. I feel oh, there we go. I should have played some doc, Dr. Zhivago or Dr. <laughs> yes, something music at that particular... <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah. But no, it, Days it, of has our gone, it has gone really well. That's great. And... Um, you know, you hear so many stories that rage from, you know, really yeah. badly yeah. and, and where you have one that went really well. So, mm. Did so you hopefully- have the operation locally? Yes, yes. Um, okay. the Melbourne locally Orthop- for you. Sorry? Locally for you. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. The Melbourne Orthopaedic Group. Okay. So we were at the Avenue Hospital. Mm. So I'll give, happy to give both those groups a plug. Mm-hmm. Am I allowed to do that? Yes, you are. Yeah. If, I, it's, I have. if it's in the, on, on the basis that it's vital inf- or valuable information to the community. And I think, uh, f- you know, if you need something replaced of that variety, knowing that you, the people who had a good experience is a good thing. Yep. to, to uh, mm. promote. Mm. Yep, absolutely. Same way as a good experience of buying a 
um, a retirement village property. Yes. Which brings us to our subject today. It does. And we're going to be talking, or you're going to be talking to us about change management. And, so, and so Paul, yep. considering Dad's experience, yeah. uh, has, has, has there been any changes made down there that he's had to go through? Um, no, not in the time that he was at Coppin. There right, it, okay. They didn't have any. But I, I know that the group as a whole didn't like change with anything, with, let alone management. It was, you know, change. The morning tea was at the same time and et cetera, et cetera, and you'd know that with your residents, that they don't like change. But who does? I don't yeah. mind change. Oh, no, it's frightening, particularly... Yeah, yeah but I understand it can be frightening, yeah. And when you... Which is one of the, one of the things we're going to be covering today. If, if one of the things that is for the 5% that do live this uh, lovely life... It could easily be that for the other ones, the, one of the concerns could be if I bought one, now I am, I've just moved in and I'm perfectly happy and I've done all my research and it's all going hunky-dory and then suddenly there's a tap on the door and says, I'd like you to welcome the new manager mm. who's just taken over. Now that would be, mm. uh, or, or, or you get a letter saying we're all going to meet in the clubhouse mm. for an important meeting that you should know about and that sort of thing. Um that could be really upsetting. Upset, well, confusing, mm. couldn't it? Yeah. yeah, confusing, frightening, confronting, particularly mm. when you've probably got your life savings tied mm. up in the asset that yes. is your unit. Yeah, um, there are things in place to reassure residents when change happens, because villages do get bought and sold, managers do come and go. Sure. So, what's the procedure, Kim? That when you buy a retirement village unit, you have a contract. Yep. And that contract is your contract with the village. Regardless of who owns the village, the contracts transfer between owners. Mm -hmm. And even before you went into that contract, when you first made inquiries, you were given a fact sheet mm -hmm. so that you can compare all the villages because all our fact sheet formats are the same and you get a disclosure statement so you know things like the service fees, what the ref approximate refund on your unit's going to be. And I say approximate because if there's capital growth involved, we can't be definite about what your refund's going to be. If there's no capital growth, it's really easy. We can give you a fixed figure from day one about if you leave in two years or five years or ten years, this is what your refund's going to be. Mm. And if a village is bought and sold, those things can't change. Right. Mm -hmm. Are they therefore literally there when the village was started? Are they there then in perpetuity or until the end of my contract? At the end of your contract, yep. whoever your unit's on sold to, you can almost guarantee will have a different contract right. because the Retirement Villages Act evolves over time mm. and so laws that would change. Be confusing. It is, but it's the new contract terms don't really relate to you as an existing resident. You've no. got your yes. terms and conditions. Okay. Um, you've got your service fee that's fixed, and once a year, villages are allowed to review that fee. Mm -hmm. And the, there's a lot of uh, governance around the review of that fee because it's legislated in the Retirement Villages Act, which is overseen by Consumer Affairs Victoria. Mm. So villages can't just go in and say, we're going to put a pool in and it's going to cost everyone an extra $100 a week. Enjoy. Mm. You can't do that. You can't raise service fees outside of the prescribed uh, requirements of the Act without the consent of the committee and the committee is made up of residents and residents aren't going to agree to something that they can't afford. No. Mm. So there's lots of reassurance in there for that. Stuart, how, how much involvement does the actual manager 
of a retirement village have with each resident? Like, would they all know you? I think in, in our case, I think most residents would know me or know that I exist. <laughs> but, but it differs. You know, if, if you, so take one of the, the big listed companies, uh, Paula. Mm. So their head of their retirement division is probably not going to be known to the average no. uh, village. Mm-hmm. You know, we're fortunate that we have uh, a, a, a site uh, in Frankston and that, that's our, our head office as well as our functioning uh, retirement village and aged care facilities. Mm-hmm. So our people know, you know, everyone mm-hmm. in the organisation, at least by by name. They may not know you, but, uh, you know, you get the chance at regular opportunities to see uh, residents and meet with them. Uh, In a smaller village where the manager is personally known to all the the residents, uh, a change of manager can be quite traumatic at Mm -hmm. that point because Mm -hmm. you are almost a family. Mm. Yes. And, And this person has been with you for a few years and so you've become friends, you know, it's natural for if you've got grandchildren, they've come in, so Resi's know the grandchildren, mm. and it, it is just a really family environment. And at that stage, you know, villagers do try their best to integrate a new manager in. They're presumably chosen wisely. Mm. So they, they look for people with a similar value set. Would, would Yeah, they do. But then I want to go back to this question of the difference in contract. So here you've got somebody who's doing their due diligence. Can I go and talk to someone in the village? And they say, oh, yes, I've been here for the last 15 years and it's, it's wonderful. It only cost me a $1.90 a day <laughs> and uh, and I get free ice cream every Tuesday and all that. And you go, oh, not bad at all. And then it comes to seeing your contract and it's got nothing of the, of, of, you know, the sort. Mm. The, that again is part and parcel of the opportunity for confusion uh, in letting, well, not a letting, but promoting uh, members who live there to discuss their details with new people because they are going to be different. Yeah, there is that risk of, you know, they got it 20 years ago, why yeah. don't ha- yes. I have it now? Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the importance of the fact sheet yes. and the disclosure statement really come onto their own. That, mm. you know, these are important documents that residents need to, re- or residents that aren't even residents yet, pr- prospective buyers, need to read and understand and look at what it, what is it that I am being offering now today at this point in time, not what my mum was offered 20 years ago mm. when she lived there? Mm. That's a good illustration that Kim just gave because mm. we have a second generation of some families mm. moving into the village mm. and the contract that they're signing bears no resemblance yeah. to the contract that mum or dad signed. But you wouldn't think you'd expect it to, really, 20 years on. You wouldn't. You know. And well, you no, I'm not... I'm, it, it doesn't matter whether you, whether you, whether it's it's a fact that it makes sense. Of course, it's not going to, mm. but that doesn't matter because when you're talking, particularly about elderly people, they they sort of assume that things are still back in 1952 a bit. You know, it's, mm. it's got that that age yeah. connection thing to it, particularly yeah. if you're going into the care component, which is another mm. another issue altogether. Mm. But back at the village, I think that uh, I, th- I think that could be a stumbling block if you're not careful and that's where you guys come in when you when you sell a property mm-hmm. so how you yes. how you guide them gently through that to say let's let's 
put a, you know, get make it perfectly clear that for you now, because of your age, because of who you are at this moment in time on this planet, this is now the way yeah. that it is. And and when you leave, it's going to be different for the next person. Yeah. And I but guess that's why it's so important for you to, you know, um, put across to people the need for them to do their own due diligence. And understand. Along Absolutely. In, in enough time beforehand. Yeah. You know, you know realistically, I, I actually think changing contracts over time is a much easier concept for incoming people to, to adopt. Mm. But a change of something like a village manager mm. yes. who is known yes. to as, as yeah. two human beings mm. can be much more mm. traumatic. You know, tears will flow. Mm-hmm. We, we had a staff member who retired after 32 years. And, you know, there was not a dry eye in the house mm. uh, from our resis. Mm. Uh, only a much-loved staff member. And, um, and you know, so things like that affect people much more than the bit of paper that says that, you know, you, you got your... You bought in when yes. the price was $10,000. Yeah. And now it's $100,000. Yeah. You know, people expect that sort of change. Mm. Is the word about economics in terms of coming back to that clause about what your property would is potentially going to deliver back to you? Um, at the moment, we have incredibly low levels of um, inflation. So any growth at the moment is not inflation pressure. It's, uh, it's pressure by supply and demand to, to a great extent. Does inflationary pressure, uh, pressure, when we think back in, you know, when we were buying houses off, you know, it was 10, 10% and we, we didn't bat an eyelid. Uh, is inflationary pressure going to make it harder to get your fund, to get a, a better return on your departure? Inflationary pressure doesn't, like CPI doesn't affect unit no. prices for most villages unless you have a lease that's linked to CPI. What CPI or inflationary pressure influences is your service fee. Mm. So there's a big component of your monthly service fee, mm. maintenance fee, levy. They all mean the same thing. It's the amount you pay each month to cover the operation of the village. That, for most of it, can only increase by CPI. There are exemptions to that, which are some of the statutory charges and those sorts of things. But if CPI is running at 10%, for example, well, your service fee could increase by at least 10%. Mm. Then you have situations like the current environment where inflation's very low, but the CPI pressure may not actually increase service fees enough to cover things like electricity, for example, that's gone up almost 50% for some villages, which means that, okay, if we only have this pie of money, which services do we need Mm. to move around to ensure that we can still pay the electricity bills in the common buildings? But I don't understand why the things like electricity and water don't, they're they're hype. Why doesn't that get involved into the CPI? I would have thought that would be... It would be part of the mix that says, you know, well, we know electricity. Everyone's got a, a 50% increase. Probably insurance would be an easier one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you know, we would view electricity and water as statutory charges yeah. um, or similar. No, Kim, say... Some component of the water is a statutory component. charge. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. But, um, but I, I hear what you're saying about the insurance. Yes, I agree with that because... It, Insurance is uh, subject to world events. Yes, you are. And, right. and you have no control over it and, mm. and insurance can go up, you know, easily 20%. It never comes down though, does it? 
Never. Really? Yes, really. But villages do, under the Retirement Villages Act, have elected committees of residents mm. that approve the village budget. Oh, and okay. from that village budget, your service fees set. Mm-hmm. Um, and service fees are, again, the village Baxter has the same service fee for every unit, regardless of whether you're in a two-bedroom plus study that's brand new or a really old one-bedroom unit, your service fee is the same. Mm-hmm. Other retirement villages, your service fee is set depending on what your unit is. So you might have 10 or 20 different service fees in a village. So when you're going into a village, it is important to find out what is your service fee, not your friend next door's service fee or what your mum's was when they moved in. Mm. Um, and again, that comes back to the fact sheet and the disclosure statement. Yeah. And, and the reason for that, of course, a lot of villages treat their units as the same as a, just a normal uh, dwelling. Yes. If you've got three bedrooms, yep. find your service fee will be more than if you had two bedrooms yes. or one bedroom. So, or it might be based on square meterage. So, so prices can differ. We choose not to do that because we find it just simpler in terms of a, of the whole equation. A unit's a unit and whether there's one, two or three people in there. Mm. It's the running, it's, well, you're still paying yeah. your, ind- your own individual electricity bill. Yes. Uh, right. So, th- the 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 running cost is uh, the human cost essentially or you know they the same um, well pretty much the same of front garden or bin removal yeah. and all the rest of it um so but do you yes. have um residents that challenge it challenge the the fees oh in is terms of in terms of the of, mix of the cost of mm, of what you know it, like if, yeah. if i'm in a one-bedroom unit but my neighbor has got a three-bedroom yes. unit and three people living there or whatever and we're paying the same. Yet yep. I use one lamp to read by whatever. Yes, those arguments have been run Paul, yeah. <laughs> over the years, uh, without doubt. So what our, do you our, do? our response would be really simple: that if you've if you've got a couple, three people is a little bit of a stretch. Let's say there's two people in the unit. Yep. If there's two people in a unit, they are less likely to call our village nurse than a single person because oh, you've got someone there to support you. Yep. Whereas if you sit, if you're in a unit by yourself, then you need and you need support. I mean, yes. you will call our village nurse, mm-hmm. and we actually did a study over time to see just how that played out. And and when you when you balance it all up, mm-hmm. you know you don't want to take this much percentage is going to go to single people and this mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. It's just not worth it. it. It ends up being a fairly minuscule difference yes. from memory that there was going to be something like a twenty cent a week variation between a unit with two people and a unit with one person. Mm-hmm. And yet it, it, it cost us more to actually do that exercise yes. than to play it out. Yeah. So so we just think common sense needs to prevail. Yes. And consider the, the other side of that question. If there's currently two of you living in the unit and one of you has gone into a residential care facility, mm. do we, all of a sudden is your service fee going to change? Yes. Or if you remarry, is your service fee going to change? And we think that's just, it's just not worth it. Mm. It's far easier to keep it simple and, and one fee applies to all. Yes. Yeah. Understandable. But that is the case for our village. Yes. That's yeah. not the not case for all villages. Yes. Mm. And that'll come out in your fact sheet. Absolutely. Is, Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. It's, it, it strikes me that the, yeah. the, those two documents are really the Bible in the decision making process. They are. Because it gives you, a, well, A, it gives you a, a complete understanding of what one place looks like, but it gives you the the, the the ability to look at several side by side and and 
have and orange, that, and oranges with oranges. Yeah. And that's what Peter's said. You know, yeah. our consumers are generally well-informed consumers because mm. if you're looking at a village, you have compared what's available around you. The notion that our people are too frail to understand the contracts is is just not correct. That, you know, they are well-informed consumers, I understand, but they're, they're buying into. And they, as Elizabeth stated last week, you know, the, the amount of complaints we have on villages is minuscule. So we have a very happy clientele that actually live, uh, live with us. Mm. Uh, us being the generic retirement yeah, village industry. And so it sounds like they, residents, um, will be able to cope with the change. Management, bringing yeah. it back to what we started talking about. Yeah. yeah, there's the emotional side of the transition, but in terms of the actual services that are provided and yeah. what you get for your service fee, that doesn't change with a change yes. of manager. Yeah, it's just getting to know a new person mm. and them getting to know you and just finding your feet and going making forward. Sure that- You've had your say about please make sure that the tea's ready at four thirty. Yeah. The other one didn't used to do this. Yes. The other one didn't used to do that. Yes, yes. <laughs> we've always done it that way. Yes. <laughs> yes. So it's always been. Yes. And, and over time, of course, the new manager has been the best person that's uh, that's in the village. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and then when that person goes, you start that cycle again. Mm. I guess going back to that price thing and, and, and making a decision that we, we've all, we keep bringing it up and it's always important. And that is, it's not necessarily the people that are moving into the village that have got a problem. It's usually the family and they can cre- create the dissent and they can say, you should look at this and you can look at that and do this and do that. Uh, and so all families out there, if you're making a decision, you really need to think about your mum and dad's needs and not about perhaps your own and, and let them just do whatever it is they want to do yeah. if they can ask you for advice. Life is for living and they've got a yeah. lot of happy living years ahead of them. Well, particularly well said, in, in a nice, That's, yeah. nice village. Well, it's been a ter- terrific little discussion again. It's time, time is coming up again. We do have this really interesting pre-record that we did earlier in the week. Um, and that came about because we had uh, the the media had been giving the the whole industry a collective bashing that was really unnecessary and I and I think there's a lot in what she said because you were there too uh, Stuart, that the the uh, that I think she owns out a lot of the creases for people and it's really worth hanging in there to the end of this particular show yeah. it makes it very clear yeah. Elizabeth has been looking after our sector from a consumer affairs perspective yeah. for many years mm. so she's seen what what occurs and, and the way in which the industry functions yeah. and in talking with Elizabeth I raised the issue about why the department does not get on the front foot and actually rebut some of these issues yes, in the media. That was my point too. And and Elizabeth told me that they do in fact give them a fact sheet. Yeah. Mm. So where there's been an issue, they will uh, write back to the papers and say this is what we are doing on the topic, mm. and give them a full brief so that they can uh, balance the article. Mm. But they choose not to. Yeah, that's right. <coughs> we don't hear about that. Yeah. They don't remember oh, well, that. The day has moved on. Thank you so much for coming in. Yes. See you next Thank week. You, great Thank you, Kim. Lovely See to you be back. See you next week. Bye. Bye.
And welcome back to the Age Stage. And together uh, today, Brody, we've got a really special guest, mm-hmm. Dr. Elizabeth Lanyon. And Elizabeth is Director of Policy and Corporate Services, Consumer Affairs Victoria. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you. And welcome, Peter and Stuart. Thanks, Paul. Good to see you. And Brody. Good. Yes, good we haven't seen you for a while, Stuart. Yeah. No, I've been dumped. Up, I'm pleased to come back into the game. No, but your surrogate has done an extraordinary job. Oh, Kim is spectacular. She's ma- yeah, she doubt. is amazing, Kim. You might think Stuart's redundant, actually. That's well, you been, said that, Peter. That's we didn't. Been said, Peter and, uh, well, I tell you, who certainly isn't uh, redundant, and that's Elizabeth. Yes. <laughs> so let's, let's use every moment of a very precious time. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's. So we're going. Uh, we want to talk today, Elizabeth, about um, the story about Berkeley, which was a, a village. You're aware of that? Yes. Yep. Yes, I've been uh, known about Berkeley and its trials and tribulations for for many years, actually. Yes. Yeah, so it's quite a long-standing history with it. Um, it was uh, a property development uh, about probably more 20, 30 years ago mm-hmm. um, and uh, ticked along uh, in Carrum there. But uh, just uh, very recently came to the knowledge of Consumer Affairs Victoria and the Minister that an emergency vehicle couldn't get through the, through the gates mm-hmm. and that was... That was the latest sort of issue. One, as soon as we sent people down to have a look, uh, we worked out that in fact the management had walked away from the care of the residents in that retirement village. But probably what's uh, important and didn't, I don't think, really come out in the press was that it's a very, very unusual and very atypical retirement village. Probably started off as a pretty standard retirement village. By the time the management walked away and this really difficult situation emerged, probably only about three of uh, 18 residents were on normal, if I could call it normal, retirement village contracts. There were other people in that village who were occupying rooms who were in uh, who required quite high levels of medical care. Mm. And there were other people there who were um, uh, on ordinary residential tenancies contracts. And there was one uh, person there who was quite a deal younger but had uh, brain injury. So um, of the 18 residents, it, it wasn't a stock standard retirement village at all. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly the case that once the management failed, uh, there were people were in a very difficult position. So, what happens in that situation? Um, you know, what what does the department do? Do they just step in and? and well, we don't. Um, the point is, I suppose that it was very, very atypical in my memory and in my experience, which is probably fifteen years plus now. This is the first time we've had a failure like that. We've had different retirement villages where I think you remember Peter, the Salvation Army, I think, decided they would get out of residential care and people sold villages to other people and that's happened, but it's always gone relatively smoothly and people have handled that carefully. Um, This is the first time you could say there was a real failure and what it required was a whole of Victorian government approach, which we coordinated because there were people who were what I call Department of Health and Human Services clients. There were also people who were on different other pensions. And um, so what we did, uh, and and Consumer Affairs Victoria regulates retirement villages proper, Mm -hmm. if I call it that way. This was a whole mix of quite strong and difficult issues, also involving the council with the building and fire regulations. So what we did is we appointed a government liaison person drawn from Consumer Affairs to to really patch together all those different state services and also the federal government's packages. 
and also we um, we appointed uh, Stella Abramovich, who's the former CEO of Kildonan, and who had extensive experience in case management, to really represent the residents and to work out what was best for them. Mm. And so um, it was a very good success in that within a re- reasonably short time, perhaps two months maximum, um, all residents were moved out of that See, so, so that's so the very interesting thing, Paul, was that none of that sort of made the news. No, I was just going to say, Stuart, that we didn't hear the other side of it. Right. You only heard one yeah, side of exactly. the story uh, yes. in the media. Yeah. And, and that's part of, you know, just a continuing trend for our, our particular sector that it is a very one-dimensional view about retirement and housing and, and the way people are cared for and and Elizabeth has portrayed, you know, quite a, a marked difference to what was reported mm. to the reality on the ground. Yes, yes. But are there any checks and balances for that? Well, the uh, supervision of Department of Health and Human Services is really the crux to people's actual medical care or their actual doctors. Um, the retirement village as such, the oversight that Consumer Affairs has is in relation to people's uh, contracts and what they pay when they go in and whether they get their money back when they go out. The the setting is really, in terms of the law, is really saying here's a framework and within w- which people actually deal with their operator. Um, I suppose what Berkeley showed up is that there's a potential need for what you might call a protocol or um, standing arrangements to make sure that there's proper oversight of that match between the medical care and the um, and the retirement village. And I think what we're going to do uh, in conjunction probably with the uh, Seniors Commissioner, uh, Mr Gerard Manser, and also with our colleagues at DHHS is sort of really use Berkeley as a bit of a um, case study in uh, what we need to do in terms of the joined-up situation and what might be necessary. I mean, we Victoria already has a Health Services Commissioner. Yes. As the Seniors Commissioner, it has... Um, oversight of different medical arrangements, but is there a, is this atypical or is there some actual regulatory gap? And we're not sure about that. Mm. Can and we so- turn our attention to the broader retirement sector? Uh, and Elizabeth has oversight for that, Paula. And and I'd, I'd be interested to know just the number of complaints that you get from uh, uh, customers in retirement villages. And what the nature of those complaints might yeah. be? Yeah, um, we get very, very few, Stuart. Uh, you know, probably two dozen maximum. Um, and sometimes when there's a spike, it's because there's one particular village and everybody's very upset about something. And so we'll get a number of complaints all relating to the one matter, in which case we count them each as a complaint. So where we've had a spike, it's often that a village. question. Mm-hmm. Um, the... The uh, way the problems are reported to us can be um, particularly issues with uh, non-sale, in other words, where units are being so- on, you know, sold as residents leave and there's, a, a, in, a, from people's perception, an inordinate delay in that. Mm. Uh, also particularly sensitivity around amounts that are deducted from that outgoing repayment. And there's particular sets of issues around whether... Um, People are being uh, paying for a, a refurbishment that's excessive. P- people say things like, um, you know, I was had to pay for a mealy uh, stove and I didn't have one before, and mm. why should I be yeah, paying for that? And, and, and those are yeah. things. Uh, th- then there's um, sometimes 
tensions within the village which may come to us as a report about annual general meetings not being held or questions about the budget, sometimes when those issues become most intractable, what is actually at, at right at the base of them, they're reported to us based on what our legislative remit is. But when you really deep dive, it's often a real breakdown of communication between and relationships between the manager and people mm-hmm. or factionalisation in the village. Is there a lot of confusion because of the different contracts? There is. Um, what happens is that uh, as people, some villages have been on the go, and I think Peter's, we had the opportunity to see the beautiful village going today, but that's been going for 30 years, I think. 40. 40. Um, but any village of any length, the people coming in, the ch- contracts will have changed over time. Mm. Um, and pe- so people can be talking to each other, not realising that there's different arrangements, mm. but also that where there were genuine issues people had about contracts that we've or the government's tried to solve or has solved through legislation, they will never be retrospective. Mm. And so people can still be telling a story about their situation quite genuinely that's affected them and they haven't been, our legislation hasn't fixed it, but the people, new people coming in will be on a better wicket, if you like. Mm. And that's... Do you think that's fair? <clears throat> uh, I do think it's fair because I don't think that as a principle we can affect people's previous rights. Yeah, re- retrospectively changing a contract, you know, it would be no different to any of us if we sign a contract today. So let's say, oh, I was going to use banks as an illustration, but mm. they, they seem to have a licence to change a contract midstream. But if you if you sign up for a car today and conditions change tomorrow that in, you could have had a 10-year warranty, mm. well, bad luck, it, when you bought it, it was a three-year warranty. Mm. And that might have only been a couple of days earlier. So... Yeah, but we're dealing with people's lives, not not you know a material object. It's like a yeah, car. Yeah, it's, it's still a know. contractual obligation, yeah, Paula. Yeah. And and you but know. if 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 a contract is changed and the, and a person coming in new is you know benefiting from that new contract um, for their own well being and the, their living standard, wouldn't it be? Fair, isn't it not fair for the uh, person who's already been there five, ten years or whatever to be suffering some sort of... Um, Efficiency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose if you look at, at the village Baxter, when I took it over in, in 1986, it had a particular form of contract that I thought was very rudimentary. From memory, it might have been three pages mm-hmm. and wasn't the most exhaustive contract that you, you could imagine. Uh, our next one came in and it might have been 12 pages uh, where we we put in the bylaws and all, all the things mm. that, that one should do. And over time, and so new people coming in signed up to that contract, but even though the earlier people had what we would have considered a deficient contract. Yep. But by the fact that um, the financial arrangements changed between the two, the people wanted to keep their original contract. They didn't want to move on to the okay. new one, even yep. though it was more exhaustive. Mm. And now I think our contract's around 40 pages. Uh, due to a range of things, legislation now mandates certain things must be in there. But that doesn't apply retrospectively back to, yeah. to previous people. We, we, I think contract law, Paula, is... Mm-hmm. The one thing about contracts is certainty. And the minute you yeah. start having retrospective legislation, retrospective contracts you take out of the marketplace, certainly, then no-one knows really where they stand. I think everyone, both sides of the equation, need to know mm. in a certain way 
what the future looks like. Mm -hmm. yeah. Government will sometimes, in the face of something really bad, will make a decision that's right across the board. And one of the decisions it made was that no one, that the village manager shouldn't hold proxies. Yes. And so the government was quite prepared to say, right, okay, that was not a good thing and we don't mind, it's irrelevant what the contract says, you can't order proxy. Mm -hmm. So it will occasionally do that. And the other one was the six-month service fee after vacant possession. Well, Correct. That was a good one. Yes. yes. So irrelevant what the contract says, that's what we'll do. But, yeah. you, you know, it would be very unusual for a government to change people's actual um, financial arrangements mm -hmm retrospectively. So that's, just to go back, that does though create, and exactly your reaction is, is the reaction of many residents. Mm. And they find that they're speaking about contracts and each of them has a different arrangement. Mm. Yes. Is there an ombudsman for uh, village occupiers? There isn't. Right. No. And that's a matter that the um, consumer advocacy people are uh, in effect campaigning for, mm -hmm. an ombudsman. Um, and part of the issue is, is what role would such an ombudsman play and who would pay for it mm. it's well if you're having if you're having so so few complaints it doesn't it doesn't require an ombudsman i wouldn't have thought for such a for, yeah. for a small number of complaints we've been discussing th i've been discussing that with Stuart today and saying um the perception by consumer advocates and consumers put who put this matter to the upper house inquiry that was held last year mm -hmm. in Victoria was that the complaints that come to us are just the tip of the iceberg. Their, their argument would be that uh, complaints formally reported are always minuscule compared to the actual problem. Mm. And they point to what they consider to be a power imbalance in the village and the reluctance of particularly older people to complain. So... I'm putting I'm putting their case well, for them, okay. but, no, um, but that's so, a fair observation. Yes, yeah. it is. But then the question always for government is um, because people will say, "Oh, we want an ombudsman scheme." The ones they're familiar with, which relate to financial services, are paid for by the banks and mm. the insurance companies. They're very large institutions who mm. pay for those schemes. Uh, how how would such a scheme be funded if you did want to do it for the retirement? Area and remembering that retirement villages span everything from our commercial operators mm. here today, but also major uh, religious mm. areas, spat care and uh, Catholic sure. homes for the elderly, right through to just small community, like I think Rotary, mm. or even some some small parishes mm. where there's three or four. So, and do they all have to adhere to the same guidelines? Uh, they all have to adhere to the law. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying if you introduce change, yes. when you introduce change and reform, people argue for reform, have to remember that we're not just talking about very large, yeah. wealthy, top-end villages. That, that's you. <laughs> I think I'm looking at people here. Uh, uh, but you oh, can be talking about small little... Uh, and, and basically the government often will say this is one size fits all. I mean, mm. you don't usually distinguish between... Yeah. Sometimes but we do, but, but... There's also that crossover, of course, is that you've got villages and then you've got uh, home care mm. uh, and then it starts to really... And unfortunately, in the media space, uh, it gets bundled together. And if you add it all together, then, of course, you do. You are playing with a huge percentage of the population. Yeah, yeah. Brody, I'm nodding because I'm not used to radio, but um, I think you've hit the nail on the head about one of the challenges going forward and, and essentially part of the issue with Berkeley as well, which is, um, of course, the policy that we all think is a great one is ageing in place. And so we're seeing uh, people in retirement villages, just as everywhere, taking up 
care packages. Um, uh, we've seen people uh, ageing through uh, early onset dementia and all those sort of things. And, and what what that looks like is a completely new world as far as I'm concerned and that brings in also mm. the overlap with the with the federal government. Mm. Um, and I think that's something we have to think about going forward. But the other thing is that I think um, it's quite a complex space, as you just said, and therefore for journalists, for the ordinary person, uh, they'll say that's a retirement village. And it may not yes, be a retirement correct. village at all. Mm. It might be a caravan park. Yeah, mm. It might be a portable home mm. park, which is called a home. lifestyle yep. village. Yep. Yep. Um, it may actually be something completely different where people are getting home care. So unfortunately, well, perhaps, perhaps that's part of the problem. It's a very complicated space. Mm, yes, yeah. And I think that, you know, the people that I talk to certainly do get confused yes. about what is a retirement village as opposed to a nursing home, as to, yes. you know, yes, a they lifestyle. Are, they are all bundled together. Yeah, that's yes. right. Well, in some, in yeah. some respects, they need to be bundled together because it yes. is a thing that belongs to senior citizens mm. yes. as a group. They, they're going to fall into a category that's going to be part and parcel of that mixture. So in that sense... The debate is in the right, in the right house. It's just that the damage caused when there is a problem with any facet of, doesn't matter if it's yeah. people waiting for aged care, home care, yeah. and they've been rated for grade four and they've been promised yeah. grade two and they still haven't got their money for the, and it goes on and on. Mm. That's still part of the collective debate and, but, and, and, but, but and it hurts you guys when somebody yeah. goes so, to war. So I would argue are, that aged care and community care are appropriately titled and the key word is care, mm. we provide housing and accommodation mm. as, as our prime business. And care is something that is delivered mm. either by ourselves through a community care package or, or, or operating an aged care facility, or someone else will provide that service. It's so still a distinct service element. I, I understand where you're coming from, but ultimately from a psychological point of view, it's still about being 65 years of age plus and everything that is attached to your life that falls into that category. And it's behoven, I think, therefore, to the media, obviously it's easy to say, uh, that you will discriminate correctly to talk about mm. the subject matter that you are talking to and not to throw nasturtions at um, people that, you know, other sectors of that conversation. Yes. Uh, and equally, I think, though, that you guys also should be able to put your hand up and say, excuse me, it, this this is not about us, and you need advocacy mm. to stand in and keep the keep the conversation separated yeah. and, and balanced. balanced. Yes. Yeah. So one thing for me, getting back to the Four Corners program and, yes. and that issue last year, July last year, the really disappointing thing for me is my wife and I watched that together. And I've told you this story before, and mm. um, my wife isn't across our industry. She, she knows I work in it, but we, we don't really share all mm. of that. And after the program, she said to me, you know, um, I know that there's a legislation, but as a layperson watching that program, you would think that there's this group of operators running rampant exactly. with no regulation anywhere, ripping old people off. That's exactly right. And yeah, exactly. we know in Victoria in particular, there's a very robust piece of legislation called the Retirement Villages Act, which addresses most of these issues. A lot of the things they talked about in that program were to do with dispute resolution, and mm. we know there's a robust dispute resolution criteria in villages, and if you can't resolve in the village, you go to other parties to help you resolve it. There was no talk of any of that. There was no talk of an act of parliament. Mm. There was no talk of Consumer Affairs Victoria. There was mm. no talk of any of that. It was just, 
here's this operator going and ripping people off. How bad is that? And I think we said in that discussion we had about that, that yeah. I think I said that, you know, um, that's why it's so important to have, a, I think, for you guys to have yeah. a right of reply or somebody to have a right of reply to say, well, yeah, that might be X, but it's not Y and Z as well, you know, included. But that your the consensus between the three of you, including Tom, was that you didn't want to give it any oxygen at all. Yeah, you, I mean, you're always... I think you set yourself up mm. to go and challenge a story like that. But I so. don't mean so much challenge, Stuart. It make a statement that, yeah. um, that okay, what you're hearing is this, like Berkeley is a, a perfect example, you know, but that, you know, look at all the uh, explanations that Elizabeth has made in regard to that, that yeah. nobody knew, or it's not public knowledge. Yeah. You could find out if you really wanted to. So that's but where we see the role of a peak yeah. organisation yeah, to right. speak on behalf exactly. of the sector. Yeah. Yes. My point bringing yeah. that up was to ask Elizabeth a question. Oh, my, my apologies. Yeah, and the question is this, that's, that's what my wife saw, mm. and I explained to her that's not the case. We've got the regulator here right now. That is not the case in Victoria, is it, Elizabeth? We do not have people running rampant, ignoring the law, doing all bad things. Mm. Clearly, in any industry, there are people who could do better. Mm. Mm. But on balance, that's not what you're seeing, is well, it? Well, I'd say that there's a list, a mental list I have of about 12, perhaps more, not more than 20 villages with long-standing intractable problems yes and we um, could all name them yes and so they they need to be uh, dealt with and uh, consumer affairs needs to play its part in really trying to get to the bottom of that and it it doesn't just depend on contracts it's mm. about management and long-standing factionalization things like that and we have a plot to play and we probably have more that we can do um Generally speaking, though, we also um, need to keep... Um, we don't want to be complacent and we don't want to be defensive. I think that's the point. Um, we know that there's a very good system in Victoria, but we know that, and I was saying to you, Stuart, perception is sometimes reality. If if politicians and residents feel that there's some, there's some unmet uh, need for a voice... Um, we need to find ways to do it, and that's we want to. We never want to just walk away from trying to find better ways for people to feel comfortable and and secure. And Absolutely, we'd like to look, if we could, though, to the industry to be the lead in that in terms of the training of their people and uh, what they can do to improve the situation. Is there anywhere as I I was looking for a retirement village today? Is there anywhere that I can? find out if the retirement village I am exploring is under the spotlight? Um, no. There isn't? Okay. The, not in terms of any naming and shaming from no, no. us, because yeah. if we used a specific tool to do that, it would be about a specific one. Yeah. Um, and there's none in that category at the moment. Do you think there um, should be, Elizabeth? Uh, no, I think what people do is they, what we know about what people do is that they use extensive word of mouth testing about the places they go mm. and i think there's a very huge uh and effective um sharing of people between themselves including through the re residents of retirement villages victoria which is which is the residents voice about the problematic 
villages. So I don't, I don't mm. think it's, and I think there's plenty of um, social media and other places to look for that. I suppose if anyone said to you, we'd rather you didn't talk to our residents, that's your first yes. warning, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? it Shot be. over the yeah. bow. <laughs> well, that's exactly. So we say yes. do your homework. There's all, mm. in Victoria, have extensive sort of pre-sales information. Yes. And we always, what we, Consumer Affairs says to residents, prospective residents is, yes. do your homework, ask around, find mm. out what the community's like. Mm. Not just what the dollars are about, but, no. and also are you, in your own psyche, a community living person, yes. because it's not for everyone. No, 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 no. Mm. absolutely. Mm. As, as we say, we've only have five percent, six percent coverage of older people, and uh, and and that's probably about the right benchmark. Most people, congregate living, uh, is not a lifestyle that suits them. But for those who do choose it, I mean, they are a particular type. Um, that'd be fair, Peter. Yes. But, you know, yeah. they are a fairly gregarious group, and. And, uh, and do it for a whole variety of different reasons. Mm. Well, it's, uh, all, all, uh, all fabrics of society, uh, where social change takes place takes generations to, for it to become part of the, the national mm. experience. Uh, and there's no doubt that uh, we've, we've got a growing senior population. We have a, a growing number of that population is, is starting to learn with, uh, learn about uh, living in retirement villages and care, and they're, they're much wiser than they were 20 years ago. Mm, yes. They've got much more information, uh, and it's becoming a bigger sector of the market. So I think that from Consumer Affairs' point of view, it's likely it's just going to be bigger, isn't it? That's Absolutely, the mm -hmm. and people will be more informed and yes. they'll understand more about it, and pr probably they'll understand the finances better and they'll... And also there'll be more that they already are, um, as the generations come through, more savvy in terms of their shopping. Mm. And if you do end up with a problem and you don't get any satisfaction from your management group within the village, there is still consumer affairs that they can turn yes. to and say, this and, is... And I also think that, in my experience anyway, you could see the uh, industry itself maturing, learning that, oh, I was... I, I think that in, in the perhaps the far past anyway, managers were often selected because they were good financial managers or something. Mm. I think village operators now understand that this is a people business and the people they're selecting and the way they're training them is about handling conflict, handling people well, mm. and that goes a very long way to resolving a lot of issues. Mm. And then these, the convergence into major, um, whether it even it be BAP Care or Catholic Homes of the Age Elderly or major groups means that you that people can have the maturity to create escalation paths mm -hmm. and more senior management who can deal with things i mean obviously in in all those major things like telcos and banks we expect that our complaint will be dealt with at first by the person you're dealing with but then you will have pathways mm -hmm. now i don't think we've uh well defer to other people but i don't think we've had the size or the maturity in the past that operators necessarily had these ways that if you did get to a full stop with your manager, that you had somewhere else to go. To go and yeah. then you went to consumer affairs and, oh, mm. they couldn't help you and, and so it went on. But mm. I think we've got, getting it's getting ahead of steam mm. now and mm. I think that's where we're headed. Mm. Well, it's been a terrific conversation. It has, show. yes. And, Thank uh, you so much, Elizabeth. <laughs> very, very much. Sorry to catch you like that. <laughs> uh, it's a great show today.
Elizabeth was terrific. Yes, and and, and, and uh, all the kids came back. It's always thank super. You. Thank you she so much. Thank you. She knows her stuff that one certainly does. I would go to her in a pink fit. Yes, me too. Yes, I've written her name down. Future reference. Yeah. All right. Well, you take care this week. You too, And we'll be in the same back channel, same back station this time next week. See you then. Take care, everyone. Bye.